Kevin Spencer of Dynasty Fame. We're going to pick it up talking more about Solar Records and all the uh, acts that you were involved with there. It's good to see you again. Good to see you too, Scott. So, I'm not exactly sure where we left off, but I want to jump in uh, talking more about, you know, what it was like for you working with all of those acts that you lent keyboards to and some of your composing skills, you know, the whispers and, and working yeah. with uh, uh, Leon Silvers and, and all that kind of good stuff. Can you share some of that with us? Everybody for me, um, with the exception of Leon, they were just regular people, you know, without, you know, you're not around instruments or anything or nobody's playing anything. They're just regular, they were just regular people, you know. Uh, and some of them, you, as you know, I told you, I had already met as a kid. So the the only place to, where there was something special going on was once we got in an environment where we're making music and, and contributing our parts. And then that's when you can tell what's special about a person. Lakeside, uh, they're, they're a group of characters. Working with them, uh, they they like to do impressions and and imitate people and all that. They all they're like a group of comedians to me. They've always got something going on, a joke or they, or a new nickname they give somebody, like they call their drummer, Baby Head Fred, because he has a teeny tiny baby head, you know. So they and and they they just got pranks. They got pranks. Uh, Fred, Ex um, Fred Alexander, the drummer. Yeah, yeah right. He's baby head Fred. They don't call him that. <laughs> but that's what they call him in the group, baby head. <laughs> so um, you got Shalimar, you know. Think about Shalimar was it started one way with Joe Brown, but then by the time uh, Howard came in, well, Howard and I were we were going to City College together in the music department, and uh, he, he announced to me that, "Hey, I'm gonna be working with you now." You know, uh, obviously uh, Gerald had done whatever that was between Mr. Griffey and himself, where uh, he he tried to, I guess he was gonna go on strike <laughs> while they were on the road, and Mr. Griffey. I never did call him back to work. He went and got Howard, and so that was like a shot. He's still waiting on that call right now. Not not literally, but he never got a call from Dick. Uh, uh, 
the whispers I had always, you know, I, when I was in high school and stuff, I go to and from school singing their songs. You know, if it, if I if we had a, you know, if it was on the radio and I was driving, whatever. But the whispers I always liked to, I I liked it. Like it because I could sing in that range, you know, and I wasn't even a, a a trained singer yet. I was just that was easy for me to sing along with them. So I had a I always liked singing their songs. So by the time I met them, which I never thought that I that I would be working with them for them, whatever you want to call it, I never thought that. And then when I found myself that they that we were on a first name basis, and what they were was they were enthusiastic because they knew that we were doing the doing the tracks and writing it and stuff, and so we got an awful lot of energy from the whisper. You know, whenever we, they would come around and say, "Boy, Kevin, let me tell you, boy, that's that right there. That's that's bad." Boy, y'all gonna be, you know. What I'm saying they were, they were, they gave us so much energy and love, and so it was like, oh, they acting like we're old friends or something. I don't know them. I couldn't even tell the twins apart. I mean, you know, for a good while until somebody gave me the secret of how to tell them apart. Uh, but uh, and the only other person at that time who was around with that, well, Terry Lucas. And I was reading with that with Dick's wife, and you know we just real careful around her. You know what we said, or if we didn't like something, Mr. Griffey had us doing, or whatever. We just didn't talk around her too much. <laughs> so that was strictly like we come in, lay the tracks, and speak, and then you know unless we were doing backgrounds or something else, we were out of there. Uh, and Midnight Star, we met them early on. The nice star, they were unusual because Leon was the first producer that Dick assigned to them, and uh, they had some. They just were type of band that they lived together. They actually shared a house together. They they went they ate, slept, music, uh, exercised together. Uh, they did everything together. And I had never seen anybody like that. <laughs> I, I guess it came out of the brothers being the core of the band, right? Yeah, well, and they were yeah, and they were living in a big house that you know, and and but their mom was was there too, in Callaway. So anyway, she told she really believed in them. Obviously, I mean, you know, you don't let a bunch of young people that. Uh, they should have been getting their master's degrees or whatever. They were in school. They were going. They were in there for music, and I and I imagine they were at least trying to get their their degrees or whatever, because that's where they all met at a Cincinnati uh, State something like that university. Anyway, they were the tightest band I'd ever seen in my life. <laughs> Most of the time, Dynasty we recorded in a circle. We we'd be a sitting where we could all see each other and we could see the drummer back there in the drummer's booth and we played it like live and then we would come back and and 
clean up each individual's part. But all the records that we did, they started off just like a live band. We would play all, we would lay down on the track together all at once. That's how it, and the beat goes on, was recorded. We, uh, we used Norman Whitfield's studio. Uh, it was called Fort Knox. We had Leon, to me, I was always amazed with him because, uh, I, you know, I was right there by his side uh, so much of the time. <clears throat> and I'm seeing how he's doing what he's doing. And to me, he was a genius. I was, but what it is, is I don't know about studio recording in the first place. So everything that he does that works out amazes me. <laughs> you know, it's like, wow, look how he did that. Wow, he put those tracks, he did those overdubs, and he made it sound like a choir with just him or whoever. He, you know, he's overdubbing and doing stuff by himself. He has me doing stuff. And then having a, you know, tripling the vocals. He's doing all kind of stuff. Where they're thick and how he's stacking them. And I had never seen any of that. And so, you know, I was, I was, uh, I was just, he was just, he was awesome with me. I looked up to him and whatever he was talking about, I was just going to do it because I wasn't trying to get into a debate with him about what I thought, because what I thought is not, you know, that don't have nothing to do with the quality of, that he was putting into the records. I had technical difficulties, uh, 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 differences with him, like a, he didn't always play the, the true bass note. When I'm playing a chord and I would find myself correcting him because I said, no, 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 Leon, that's not the, that's not the bass note that goes with this chord. He said, oh, yeah, but that's the way I hear it, though. I said, but it's not right, though. He said, well, I, it might be unorthodox, but it's working, okay? Just do what I tell you. <laughs> so I'm going, yeah, okay. So that always would, that would be the place where I would, mostly it would be like, I know you've been to school, you probably, you know, I don't know how to read. I said, well, I don't know how to read like that. I just know what, what's supposed to be happening, you know, because otherwise I don't know what chord I'm playing when you play that bass note. It just is, it, I'm lost, and so he said, don't worry about it. So, you know, Lee, he was like a, we called him, I called him a dictator. <laughs> because everything he said was, that was it. You know, Leon tell you something. I, I, I look, look, look. Uh, the, the end justifies the, the end justifies the means. I, I, I don't have time to explain everything to everybody. Just do, just, just, just do the shit. <laughs> so that's what that was. You know, but but yeah. was he was he right most of the time? He's right all the time. Yeah. And if it wasn't, and if it wasn't right, then you know, if you had a suggestion, he said, if it lays, it stays. If you if you came up with something that, that, that appeased his ear and he liked it, that was it. We on to the next thing. Cause we had so much stuff to do, and we rehearsed our butts off. Leon was no joke about rehearsing. Man, he worked dynasty. We were, I mean, you know, we spent all our time sweating and rehearsing. And, 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 I mean, until we were wet, and then we he finally said we could take a break. I mean, so we were the we were the 
Titus band that was put together by hand. <clears throat> he came and handpicked each one of us. You know, Dynasty was, he, this guy was bad, this guy was bad. I brought a couple of guys that I grew up playing music with that, that I described to you in the last uh, episodes that we went through. I, I brought a couple of people with me, and then Leon looked around and saw who he he knew to be the best ones that were available that he could, you know, he felt he could work them in. And that's what happened. And then, and, and then some of us, we had to be turned into a professional. You know, we had great, we had great potential on the talent. But, uh, no, nobody had, nobody had done it on that level, you know, to be on the big stages all across the country and making records every other day and, or every day. We hadn't done that. So we were cutting our teeth. But when midnight, but when midnight star came, they were they were so bad until I remember uh, that Steve Shockey from Lakeside. <laughs> While they were jamming that hard, I just I just saw him. He had a worried look on his face. <laughs> and, he was, and, and when I looked up at him, he just he said, "Damn." Man, and he was going around to, to Lakeside members. He was finding them wherever they were in the club. And and, and every time I seen him, he was telling them, man, we're going to have to start rehearsing more. He was he started telling me what they were going to have to do because they were not going to stand for this. Mm -hmm. You know, these guys from from Cincinnati coming in here, blowing everybody away. It wasn't just them. It was everybody. And when I started coming in, they were the baddest band that was at Soul show-wise and musically educated. It's, it's so. still, it still took them a couple of albums, though, to really hit it big, though. Yeah. But, and uh, what they were doing, I'd say, was, look, uh, on, on those albums, you'll see that Leon Silvers was producing them. <laughs> and I'll say that they had their... their what, what Reggie was doing was learning what he needed to learn from Leon. Because Leon had more studio uh, songwriting experience than anybody up in there. He already had been responsible for, you know, gold records when he was a, when he was a teenager. He, you know, so, I mean, just Leon just was a bet. He'd been on television since he was a little kid. Mm -hmm. Nobody could match that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I, was, I, I just looked at him. He was my boss. That's what. That's how I looked at him. Hey, Kev, uh, Kevin, let's, let's, let's talk about that first Dynasty record. Um, five, five tracks. They were all very long, all obviously aimed, uh, yeah, at, aimed at the floor, dance floor. Yeah. I don't know how I feel. I, I was... Uh, that was the first time I'd ever sang on, on a recording that was to be released anyway. And I had so much to learn until I couldn't do anything but just take direction. Uh, that first album, I was mainly just finding out what it was that I could actually do because he was doing, he was challenging. He wanted to see what all I could do too. And, and I wasn't supposed to be the lead singer. Or at least I was I was content playing my keyboard and do, and learning how to do backgrounds real good and do, and playing my parts 
clean and in the pocket and making sure I was writing, you know, contributing my best to the writing. That's what I was about. But they had another plan because they uh, ended up on that your piece of the rock. LP, Dick Griffey had me taking dance lessons and then uh, choreography, the choreographer for that stuff, he ended up paying that man extra to take me with him to, we went to ballets, we went to modern jazz program. I mean, he was, he, Mr. Griffey was paying for like $500 to have me come, for him to take me and expose me to different art uh, forms of, of dance. And, and Will did, uh, Mr. Griffey know that I had been studying tap and ballet and, and modern jazz since I was like five years old. <laughs> and so, uh, so that's what we were doing on that first album, man. He had, he had, we were doing that because otherwise we were just doing just it was the disco that you know disco was just it was just barely hanging on and was starting to get a little more back to R and B. You know what I'm saying? Everybody was so busy with the four on the floor, bam, bam. Pen, pen, whatever you're doing, you know. We came in at the tail end of that. Yeah. In 78, 79, right in there. Then you got the other groups that were, you know, I call them the real musicians. You know, you got you got the Earth, Wind, and Fire, and you got uh, even the Ohio players. I mean, you know, everybody, I mean, they're playing music. <laughs> you know, you guys, we're up here trying to learn their songs so that we could play. Uh, ho hopefully some of what they were playing, because I did start using some of them. And even Sheik, even Sheik, they were doing, they they were in that, that disco thing, but 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 Nile Rodgers and Bernard Edwards, they were funkier. And, and the guitar stroking and all that. Yeah. I got a chance to meet them. I, I was very impressed with them. They had invited me to come, come to New York, but I, I, I was told that I couldn't. Because Dick might get mad. <laughs> <laughs> but Leon listened to a lot of that during that Your Piece of the Rock. He was playing a lot of Chic. Mm. And so that's why uh, on uh, uh, It's Still a Thrill, if, if you even... Uh, Care to go back to, to he's playing the he's playing that that is still a thrill baseline is uh, like styled after uh, uh, Bernard Edwards uh, uh, he was trying to do that mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying and then uh, with the keyboards and then he had me playing that. You know, that was like whatever uh, she's keyboard player was doing. He was trying to get get me close to that. And uh, I finally did catch on to uh, some of that stuff. Uh, I used it in uh, Make That Move. Was I used a lick that was in uh, Good Times. <laughs> a lot of people lifted that lick. Yeah. Yeah. But I had disguised it so well until I had like Larry Blackman from Cameo. We did a tour with Cameo. 
and and make that move was like it just burning up the chart at that time. And he and so Leon introduced me to Mr. Blackman. And the first thing he did was say, he said, "Oh, you the one that plays that piano and make that move?" I said, "Yeah." And he said, so he started proceeding to ask me, "So how did you come up with that? I mean, how did you come up with that? Thinking that like that?" And, and I and I said, and I started to tell him my stupid butt. Yeah, 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 I'm going. Well, I took a little bit from a good times to get a little ribbon. And then the house was going cut, cut, cut. <laughs> Tell him nothing else. And then he adds to it because he's behind, standing behind Larry. He, he, he introduces, but then Blackman turned to face me to. to Talk to me and Leon, so his back is to Leon now after we've been introduced. And Leon's behind his back doing all kind of stuff, and they're going, doing like, they're like, I'm going, I really didn't care, but I was shocked. I, I said, that just made me, I found that out about quite a few of my friends out there. Didn't matter to me, they weren't bothering me. I, you know, I was. I had too many women following me. To be worried about some guy that likes other guy, man, he'd have to push past all them girls to even speak to me. <laughs> I wasn't worried about none of that. I think, I think <laughs> musically, though, Larry Blackman was probably similar to Leon Silvers in being yeah, they very much they in like, control of their groups. Oh yeah. yeah, oh yeah, definitely that. That's why they were standing up there. I guess you could say they were the two. Giants of their, uh, in like in that 80, 81, 82, all up in there. You know, every time they met up, uh, uh, Barry was talking to Leon, or if Leon wasn't around, Barry would take would make it a point to come on and ask me. He said, "Oh yeah, man, how's Leon doing, man?" So I became the person. If you didn't see Leon, and and you knew me. You go if you want to. If you want to send a message to Leon, you, there's Kevin Spencer. He'll he'll see it. Yeah. Uh, a, you know I, you you mentioned um, Earth, Wind, and Fire uh, before. Oh. Yeah. And and that second album, um, in um, Adventures in the Land of Music. To me, the title cut reminded me a little bit of Earth, Wind, and Fire. Actually. Really, well, they well definitely their horns, being right. You probably me with his name, Scott. Ben Wright is the one that did the, those arrangements, and I thought that was good, a good, a good call on Leon's part because when when the when the track was was laid, you know, and, and so we, it's just a rhythm track, but Leon could hear that Ben Wright. Was doing that stuff for you know a lot of that stuff with Earth on the Fire, mm. for Earth on the Fire, he would be perfect for it. And so I ended up meeting Ben Wright and had the honor of, of him working on Adventures, which was one of my composition with uh, Ricky Smith and Richard Randolph. But the main part of it that everybody likes is the part that I pinned. <laughs> You guys but were yeah. still you, you guys were still being promoted as like a trio though in the pictures and everything. It wasn't until the they next record that. where they really showed a bigger band. Right. 
They were, that's true, and that was always misleading because uh, of a couple of reasons. First of all, uh, Leon had legalities. He was still signed, or there was an existing contract on him between Al Ross, who, uh, who was their, their manager, but the trio thing kept up until she, uh, that didn't stop until, because wait, that's what I was telling you. Leon was actually in the group from the Junk Street. When you look at those album covers, you'll always see a leg, <laughs> one leg and a boot. <laughs> that's Leon. And then on, a, that was on your piece of the rug, you see the skinny leg with the boot, climbing boot. And then on, Adventures in the Land of Music, you see the leg hanging off the music staff. And maybe you might see his thumb or something resting on one of the lines. But anyway, that was because he had, he was trying to not get caught in any litigation because Al Ross, who was the manager for the Silvers, was looking for any way that since Leon had and God was of all people, Dick Griffey, who Al Ross hated Dick Griffey, so to speak. Did, did Leon have kind of a bit of a feud with his family over that whole thing? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and what it was was Al Ross was, you know, this happened just like a, the last time we talked, I told you that. Uh, when he left, they, yeah. They, he was fired. Yeah. Stanley fired him. But Al Ross was behind that because Leon was getting out of hand. He wants to produce now. He wants to he wants his songs that he's writing to be used for the Silvers, and he wanted more and more creative input, control, whatever you want to call it. And Al Ross felt he was getting too big for his riches, and he was talking back. Don't talk back, jackety yak. And so. Al Ross wanted to get rid of him, and he, you know, he's the oldest brother, and he was the one, Scott, that made uh, his brothers and sisters rehearse. He was the one that would make them get up off that thing <laughs> and shake it. Yeah, well, we kind we kind of covered that last time, but I wanted to just establish that there was still this rift going on, and oh, but definitely. but but oh, I noticed. I noticed, though, uh, Kevin, that later on, Foster Silvers was on some of the solar stuff, right? So they yeah. they were getting along on some level, I guess. Um, I mean, you know, oh, 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 oh. Uh, what happened, you know, I guess the initial, the, the way that he had reacted to it, it was because the family was sitting there and he was voted out. Okay, so that's that's the face of it. Your family voted you out, but actually, they were promised a bunch of stuff by Al Ross if they could somehow get Leon out of there. They wanted cars, they wanted more money. Al Ross was baiting the family. You know, that was an ugly move, hmm. and you know he separated. Them. Let's let's get back to that third record, if we could, Kevin, the um, second adventure. For me, I thought definitely was a funkier 
record than what you had done before. And um, yeah. it was also more to it. It was 10 tracks, you know, and it was right. just a lot fuller, funkier package. Yeah, and, and there was more contribution of writing uh, from the members that, uh, that were now, by that time, the second adventure came along. You know, now you, you get the album cover where you see uh, the five, the the front five, which now Leon can appear. Then you got William Shelby, you got me, and then you got Lyndon, you got Nigel. Well, we were a writing machine. At that point, William Shelby and I, uh, with Leon, had written some some gold and platinum hits together. So you know, now Dick wants to show, oh, this is the dynasty. You know, we look like we're making a little more money, which we were. And and so and even the way that Leon had it. The, the photographer and Leon, how we spaced ourselves. You got Leon in the middle, the big big daddy in the middle with the girls on each side of him, but then you got me and Will blanking him. So it was like a, there, there was some symbolism in the way that photo album, that album photo was placed because that was like we were pretty much getting established and respected for what we do. And Leon was let, he let the leash off. He gave us some slack in the least because before he moved with an iron hand. Nope, not that. Nope, we're not doing this. Nope. Uh, you know, we were just he was teaching us the formula. So by the time that that, that second adventure album came, uh, he was letting he was letting us roll. You know, like if I if I, if I got a little funky on on a clavinet or a keyboard part, he wasn't saying uh, 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 just play pocket. He was letting me roll. He was letting Letting Will roll. He was letting the guitar players roll. You know what I'm saying? Uh, 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 and when we did a "Give Your Love to Me," uh, was supposed to be the next single to follow up after "I've Just Begun to Love You." And so we have a song there. Ooh, give your love to me, girl. I'm waiting for that one. And you notice it's structured the same way as. Uh, I've just begun to love you. I mean, where we got the guitar solo coming. That's just like this, like the next advanced version of I've just begun to love you. Uh, so anyway, he was letting the slack of his songs. And we did the other kind of song, like Pain's Got a Hold on Me. Actually, those concepts, we didn't. In Boxer, those they weren't ha they weren't happy concepts. Cause we got revenge. Uh, revenge was he's got a hold on me. Yeah, revenge. Check it out. I'm just saying, you know, but he was letting us do it. But he was letting us. He he, loosen, he loosened up on the chains. On the, was love in the fast lane on that one? Yeah. Yeah. You know that was myself and Will and, and Liam. Uh. Uh, 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 I don't know who they give credit, but anyway, when we did that, we were in rehearsal, and then that was another thing on that album. You know, we had been on we had been on tour twice. Uh, that those are two times that uh, Dick Griffey allowed Leon to actually go on the road, 
because he couldn't because he couldn't afford to have Leon out there on the road. So when we did those albums, you know, we had just come from off of the road doing two tours. One with Stephanie Mills, Teddy Pendergrass, and um, and then we were on another tour with Frankie Beverly, uh, uh, LTD, uh, Graham. Uh, Brick, oh man, Cameo, I mean, we went out there, and, and here we are, we're out there with everybody that, you know, just sort of the competition, you know, so we are, uh, Zap, Roger Troutman, we're out there, you know, get a chance to get to know these guys there at the top of the chart, and how they act when they see us. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's like some of them kept their heads up high. Roger Tomlin, yeah, his head up so high. He's talking to me, but he's looking up. I'm going, come on, man. You know, but he loosened up. He was just, he knew he was the shit back then. And I guess, you know, he was a young man too at that time. So, you know, some people, they were, they were showing that they, and he comes from Dayton, Ohio. Come on, man. That place ain't that big. I mean, he he just took, you know, he just was like, he was feeling himself. And, and everybody's telling him how great he is. Mm-hmm. And he is. I, you know, I, I saw him back then, and I was impressed when I first saw him. But he kept doing the same. I saw him many times, and he kind of did the same shtick every time, and I started to right. get tired of it. Always the same yeah. thing where he'd come in from the back on the shoulders right. of uh, one of his guys. And that was, like, really great at first, but then he did it. You know, so many times. Yeah, but because it's comfortable. You know what I'm saying? They forget to, you know, we, we've been to this city before. Even though we got a new, a couple of new songs came out since we've been here last, they're still doing the same routine. Do you think um, the second adventure was the peak of the band, or do you like another album better? No, I'd say uh, as we were going along, we were getting further and further out there, away from that stiffness. You know, by the time we get stroking, the only one, uh, the the ballads, uh, no, and we were starting to, you know, we were starting to evolve into something else. Stroking is very fun. Me and me kept saying shit. Man, he said, I wish that, uh, you said, it always weighs heavy on me because, uh, you said, I had to get away from Dick. Dick and I had to get away from each other, he said. And he said, and then I had to sign off on Dynasty because I was the person that went and Dick put, gave me the task of uh, taking a, an agreement to Leon to release him and us. You know what I'm saying? Because that was Leon's group, so Leon signed off and gave me and Will and Nigel that it was our group to split four ways. He was signing off. But Mr. Griffey is the one that kind of twisted my arm a little bit. Him and Virgil Roberts sent me up there with an agreement because nobody else, because nobody else better not come near Leon with something like that. And that's who the, that's who Mr. Griffey picked was. He said, Kevin can do it. If anybody can talk to Kevin, Kevin can do it. I'm saying, why everybody think that I, 
Why y'all think that? I can talk to him about just any old thing. Please, you're going to get me jumped on. You know, it's not that. It's not that. It's just that I was more tactful. If I, if there was something going on, I would just be honest and say, Lee, they, uh, you know, putting pressure on us about uh, Dick one. Look, look, Dick gave me this thing for you to sign off on. I don't feel good about it at all. And I feel like, you, you know, I feel like almost like I got a shotgun in my back because nobody else wants to approach you. And so I was just, I was just trying to make sure, yeah, well, that's what, what uh, Dick knew. That's that was the best thing for me to do was send you. I said, yeah, here you go. But we had a good, we had a good report. Actually, those those albums after that is when Leon, just before he was leaving, he said it weighed heavy on him because he noticed. He said we were evolved from how we started out to how we, he said we we were starting to get into another cutting edge of you know he said he said we were evolving. He said and I wish that I could have stayed there long enough to see what we were going to end up turning into. Mm. He just felt like there was a, he said, we were just at that breaking point where whatever, all those things that we were about, uh, that had been about and were a part of our, you know, background and, and building stages, he said it was just where we were right at that point where we were ready to deliver on all those experiences musically. And, and, we, and we were starting to find out how to do it comfortably. You know, it, it was it was starting to turn into something different. I can tell you that. Well, all all's fair in love and war. Um, like you said, stroking was really funky, and then there was a lot of new people now, on that too. You had Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis, and yeah. uh, Paul Jackson and Fred Alexander yeah. and Steve Shockley from Lakeside. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was starting to turn into a chemistry of a blend of people that you know people work with people that they like in this business or any uh, I imagine so for actors probably too you know you get an ensemble of people together you know you guys have know how to work with each other how to complement each other how to fit yourselves in between things just right you know you, so you keep seeing the same people turning up on on, on different projects now, and that's what I say I imagine it's like that for actors too yeah, uh, you know it's a chemistry. Whenever you get people together and they're talented and they have and they're bringing what they bring to the table, and then you got yours, and then you know how to, you know, lay out sometime, come in when you need it, where you can, you know, what I'm saying don't don't overplay your part. <laughs> you know, just, just, did did you know. get to did you get to work directly with Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis? Were they? Yeah. Well. Actually, I was the person that first met them. I was in Minneapolis. Went to Minneapolis because I, we gave a concert there, and there was this girl with, with this really beautiful body that I had met. Uh, she was, and we had like three days that we weren't performing. We were, we had done our last show in Nashville, and now we had these three days off before we had another gig to do, and the next gig was Minneapolis. So I said, I'm going to fly here 
and go meet that girl with that booty. <laughs> so basically. So I flew ahead and I had a day or two with her because that the rest of the group was coming. But Dynasty was canceled off of that show, so I was in Minneapolis by myself with this girl. <laughs> and I'm separated from the group. They knew where I was and all that, but you know, now I gotta get back to the group. Uh, what ended up happening? While I was there, there was a young lady named Sue Ann Carwood. Sue, oh yeah, Sue, Sue, you know Sue Ann Carwood. Yeah. Okay, well she was the one that I, who came. I met her through the girl that I went to see. She, she told Sue Ann that Kevin Spencer came was at her house, her apartment. So Sue Ann, she came up there and got my ass. I was in great hands then. She came and took me and took me took me around Minneapolis. She uh, she drove me around all day. That other girl didn't even see me anymore after Sue. Ann. <laughs> she didn't see me anymore until it was time for me to go to the airport. Man, that was you know that was kind of cold, but. But, but, hey, look, I'm 24 years old. What do I know? Yeah, so, living the life, man. Yeah. Uh, so, so uh, we, uh, when she was, when she was taking me around, she said, oh, Kevin, and tonight I want you to go to a, they have like the Battle of the Bands and like all the, the best, the baddest bands in Minneapolis are going to be there. They're all going to be there. And, and it's a battle of the band. I remember I used to hear about that out here. We used to have battle of the bands in, in Los Angeles a long time ago. But she she took me to that after she fed me and rolled me around and all that. We stayed at Prince's. Uh, she was staying at Prince had a manager back then. It had a stone house. A house made of boulders, and that's where she, uh, she took me over there with her, and, and this this was his manager's house, and so I guess she was he was managing her too, obviously or something. Anyway, I ended up being there. Uh, that was I, I never did get to see Francois in me. Maybe he was on the road for all I know. But anyway, so Anne, she took me to that battle of the band, and. Here she comes to me, and and I see uh, some of Prince's band members, uh, 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 Dez, the, his first guitar player, and and, uh, and even uh, Jesse Jesse Johnson was running around. I saw a lot, you know. I saw the some of the Minneapolis musicians that, you know, that at that time that I was aware of. Not you know, you don't know everybody, but I but at, as time went on. I realized who I had met after, you know, after the fact, after they had the opportunity, just like Sue Ann. Uh, and she brings these two guys to me. Uh, and they were brought, and they said, oh, man, Kevin Spencer, you did this, you did that. They they ran down whatever I had done so far that, that uh, from take that to the bank to make that move to anything else that was uh 
shower my stuff, uh, uh, right, right in the socket. They just knew what I had done so far. And they said, we wanted to ask you how to get our songs on the radio. And I said, um, I said, uh, well, you know, I wouldn't worry so much about getting your songs on the radio. If I were you guys, I would just do, you know, keep doing music for a hobby. You know, don't worry about getting your songs on the radio. Man, I played them to the left so cold-blooded. Oh, they were furious. Their eyes were big as teacup sauces. You don't understand. We're in this, this is what we do. This is all we do is music. I said, no, no, but, you know, but look, I didn't know what they were, except Jimmy Jam was a DJ that played keyboards and Terry was a bass player. Now, that don't signal to me. Let me bust my chops and see if I can hook these two guys up. They're two really regular looking fellas. Young. The only thing they could say to me was, we'd like to get our stuff on the radio. Everybody says that. I could not identify them from the other three or four or five hundred people that came up and said the same exact thing. <laughs> they didn't look any different, but they got mad. Now that was different. I mean, you know, I had people that, huh? They were confused more. These fellas, they were pissed off. They weren't confused. <laughs> they were pissed off and they were like who do you think he is fuck Kevin Spencer you know what I'm saying you gonna tell us that they cussed me out all that night they told me after after they busted out and, we, and everybody knows who we are they, they, they ran, we ran to each other and they said Kev come in, come in here we want to talk to you Jimmy and I me and Terry want to talk to you <laughs> so I go in the side room in there where I said, man, you know, remember when you first met us in Minneapolis? Yeah, do you remember what you told us? Uh, yeah, yeah, I remember what I told you. And he said, man, do you know what, man? We owe you a debt of gratitude because you pissed us off so bad until that was the night. We dedicated ourselves to, to making sure we became producers and became uh, the best, uh, but we, you know, that they were going to go for this and they were going to go for it big. He said, we cussed you out all night until the sun came up and then we were still cussing you out the next morning. All that day, he said, you pissed us off so bad, man. We called you everything but a child of God. And he said, but now we want to thank you because if you hadn't done that, man, you know, we were, we knew we wanted to get into something, but we hadn't made up our mind like we did after you, we talked to your ass and <laughs> you told us to do our, he said, after that, it was on and we want to just want to thank you because you made a difference. <laughs> I was like. Uh, that yeah, was 80, cool. uh, 82 on your record, so that was probably right after they got fired by Prince, I'm guessing. Yeah, that's when they were able to tell me. 
Well, let's try to wrap it up then, um, Kevin, um, for now. Yeah, um, yeah. So can you just identify one thing that you're most proud of accomplishing musically? You know, then see, now, now you're going off into songwriting awards and stuff like that. I mean, I'm proud of that stuff. I, I always prayed that I would make, I wanted to write songs that people would remember and that, that was in some way touch them or, you know, it wouldn't just be like, uh, what, who, you know, like you can't remember that song or uh, too good or that person. And, and uh, that's what I always, I prayed, I'd go to church and pray for that. So I say I'm proud of the fact that God answered that prayer, that people remember the stuff that I did, because there's some people, you know, you, I, I, I can give you one or two titles, and people, after 40 years, they, they remember, that was my favorite song, and you're the writer. I mean, I didn't ask to be rich or famous. <laughs> I asked to be remembered. Where are those two, <laughs> where, where are those two songs? Keep on loving me. Uh -huh. Or make that move. I don't even have to finish the rest of the other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? I can just say two songs and those are people. Those are Stone Cold classic. Friends. No, but if I went down the list, we wouldn't be wrapping it up anytime soon. <laughs> well, I'll let the people know in the intro I do for this, believe me. Um, but, you know, one last thing um, before I let you go is I saw that there's a, a new song called Escape. Is What's that about? Yeah. It's doing well in the UK. I wasn't even, I didn't even mention that to you last time. And, and uh, you probably heard it. So I know they posted it on my page enough times where you could just be able to punch it. But uh, Wardell Potts, the drummer, our drummer, the original drummer for all the solar hits and all that. He, uh, he, he was just putting something together to get some, you know, because he was getting a lot of people who wanted to to hear something from Dynasty, or they were always uh, uh, saying, "Why well, you guys should get together and do something. You guys should get together and do something. So he just did something. He called me in, Niger. So uh, somebody else had done some music. So I said, okay, I'll come in and sing the vocal on it. So I sang, came in and did my my part. Niger did hers. And then we didn't think about it anymore. But he kept pushing it. And so now here we are on the UK chart pushing up that chart, and uh, and now they're talking about they want to do, you know, the guys are going to have to go to it. I'm going, man, I'm not studying all that. I'm not thinking, man, I'm 65 years old, man. I'm not thinking about none of that, really. Not really. But I'm not a killjoy. <laughs> that track, I want to say, is funky and smooth. It sounds like it could have come from the 80s, really, to be honest with you. Do you think uh, an album might happen? Yeah, he's gonna want to do that. He talks. He talks about that. Yes. Yeah, because they because they're appealing to me, asking me, Kel. I know you got songs. I said, Yeah, I got a lot of songs that I've sat on. You know, for a long time. I said, I got stuff now. Okay. <laughs> you know, I pulled out the, the. I got. I got some that people always said, That would. That should be out now. That's a hit, Kevin. I've just been sitting on it. But it's a, it's called, it must be love, but it's, it's along the lines of a mid-tempo ballad. But I'm singing on it, and I'm singing pretty good. 
at that time, but it's it's, a, it's one of them songs. It's a big song. It's, it's got a big sound to it. Well, we're we're hoping that uh, maybe we hear more of that. Congratulations on yeah. a new song. They're gonna make me. They're gonna make me come out of retirement. I'm, I'm, you know, not like I'm can afford to be retired like uh, uh, all this and that. But go. All right, we're gonna say we're about to sign off. We're gonna say we're gonna say bye for now, Kevin. Thank you so much for doing this, and uh, it's been great hearing your stories. All right, man. I, you know, anytime. We can get together. I'll always, I'll always share whatever you ask me about. I'll tell you. Hey, back at Truth and Rhythm headquarters. Thank you for joining us on another magical ride with Truth and Rhythm. Whether you're watching or listening, as always, thank you so much for your continued interest and support. Be sure to subscribe. Go to YouTube. Go to the Funkin' Stuff channel. That's where Truth and Rhythm lives and breathes and thrives. Also, goodies here like TIR Quick Takes. And if you subscribe, you know what? You get the show before anyone else. It's free. If you love jazz, funk, R&B, soul, you can't miss it. Pass it along. Tell a friend. Tell family. This audience is growing, and it is a beautiful thing, all coming together for the love of this great music. Also, if you can throw us a buck or two, we could use the support financially keeping the lights on, keeping the servers going, all these expenses. If you can help support the program, whatever you can give, much appreciated. Go to the FunkinStuff.net website. And on the right-hand side of every page, you just click and you can donate through PayPal, credit card, whatever. Very easy to do and so much appreciated. And if you do a sizable donation, I will mention you on the program. Also, drop me a line. Email me at scottg at FunkinStuff.net. Let me know who else you'd like to see on the show, what you enjoy about the music. Let's just kibitz and uh, talk about stuff, you know, talk music. You'll find that I respond very quickly, and I much enjoy the uh, rapport and the camaraderie and the interaction. Always remember, this is your show, The True Music Lover. So for now, that's all the time we have for this one. It's a wrap. As always, Scott Dr. GX Goldfine saying, keep on vibrating to the rhythm of the one.